Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One one pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Jordan Yamamoto in his major league debut. Pitches very, very brilliantly. Let's see if we're interested in him. He's only 10% owned. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. Chris, how about those Marlins? Break up the Marlins, baby. Yes. They recently lost six games in a row, but they won yesterday. <laughs> That's right. Things are looking up. So, no, it was exciting. There, there were some there were some Marlins guys who did things yesterday who who I have liked for a while. So of yeah, course. fun times. Why don't in you Miami? Why don't you own Yamamoto yet in that league where you own every Marlins pitcher? Right? You just you're the Stallions guy. I would assume that he's only going to make one, maybe two uh, more starts before Caleb Smith and and Jose Arena come back from the IL. But this was a this was a promising start for a guy who has had very good minor league numbers, and you know he he kind of looked like what you expected from him. And, you know, the seven scoreless innings isn't exactly that's what exa- I was that is exactly thinking. what I expected from him. But good command, uh, not overwhelming stuff, but he dialed the fastball up to 94 when he needed it. Slider looked decent. I I think there's Tanner Roark upside there if he gets a chance to stick in the rotation. All right. Well, Jordan Yamamoto, 10% owned. Not in a rush to Adam for the reasons Chris just laid out, but someone to keep on your radar for the reasons Chris just laid out. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Are we buying it with Lance Lynn and Zach Eflin and Joey Lucchese? They've been really good, uh, more lately for Lucchese. Are we buying low on Matt Carpenter or the guy who opposed Yamamoto yesterday, Miles Michaelis? Are we ready to regulate your league issues? Even though I don't have the music queued up, yes, I can assure you we are ready to do some fantasy Doesn't regulating. Sound like you're ready. And gosh, what is wrong with my internet on this stinking iPad? Oh, yes, we are. Do 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 do. We are going to do some. You want me to like pull it up on my phone or something? Definitely not. You tried that once. Just hold it, it was, up on my mic. It was such bad audio. Um, <laughs> it was a bad idea. Uh, also, replacement closers. What happens if a closer gets traded between now and the deadline? Who are some guys that could step into the role? We're going to look at the most traded list. We're going to play start, sit, or drop. Chris, we have a crazy number of segments. That's so, a lot. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's like 60% of it. So let's, so let's get talk to about the show. Your Jordan Yamamoto a little more. No. Let's talk about Ramon Laureano. I know that's a standout you want to talk about. Grand Slam yesterday uh, over the last... 21 days he is the number 16 outfielder in points number 12 in roto during which uh, Yama uh, Loriano is batting 319 <laughs> with four homers and five steals he hit a grand slam and stole two bases yesterday so I'd say he's clearly a standout yeah and, and I think he has a very interesting fantasy profile you look at what he's done in 116 games over the last two seasons it's a 270 batting average, 13 homers, 13 steals, projects out to about 18 homers, 18 steals uh, over a full season. And that's about what he's on pace for right now. So there's definitely reasons to be interested in a profile like that. I'm not sure he's necessarily someone that you need to go out and add right now because like 
Malik Smith is still owned in less than 60% of leagues, and Kevin Kiermaier is probably in around the same range. And I, I think those guys are a little more proven and, and, and might have a little more upside. But yeah, Ramon Laureano is, is definitely an interesting fantasy option. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, a guy who was like so bad before, even his numbers now aren't very good. So it's mm-hmm. a hot streak, but last year was pretty good. 37% on, I think you said it well. Um, depends on your league size, I suppose. Any other standouts? How about Justin Verlander? I mean, I know we don't usually talk about the must-start, no doubt about it, guys, but he's the number one starting pitcher in fantasy. He's got like a yeah. .7-something whip. He's giving up less than five hits per inning, <laughs> uh, which is which, by the way, he gave up four no. and a half Per nine, yeah. He gave up yeah. four and a half hits per nine in 2017 when he got traded to the Astros, and now it's like 4.9. Um, yeah, he's amazing. 15 strikeouts against the Brewers yesterday. What's actually kind of interesting is he's been the number one pitcher in fantasy, and I believe before yesterday's start. Yesterday's start corrected it a little bit, but he had, I believe, the largest gap between his ERA and his FIP of anyone in baseball. He had actually had like a 3.8 FIP coming into yesterday's start, and it dropped to 3.54, but he still has a, a run difference. Now, I would guess the FIP returns closer to the ERA than vice versa moving forward because he's just, we know he's better than a 3.54 FIP. And, you know, part of it is a 171 Babbitt. Part of it is he's giving up a little too, a little, a few too many home runs that he probably won't moving forward. So, I think you can look at it and say he's going to end up being, you know, a high twos, mid twos ERA guy moving forward, which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. That's interesting, though, about the FIP. Makes me hate. Yeah, FIP. yeah, I noticed it yesterday, and I I don't think it means that much. the The Sierra is like three oh eight, uh, so you know. I think he's going to end up being one of the best pitchers in baseball. Don't don't worry too much about a mid-threes fit. I, I think he'll be just fine. Remember uh, Fergalicious, that song? I do. Yeah, what if we did the team, like, way back, like, 10 years ago, or probably closer to, like, 12, uh, working on my fitness. Working on my fitness. Yeah, we, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. Speak for yourself. Today's sponsors... Our Fergie and ZipRecruiter, if you need to hire or if you're looking for a job, make sure you listen to our ZipRecruiter ad. Give you more information on that. And Omaha Steaks, Father's Day right around the corner, so you got to act now. Go to omahasteaks.com, type FBT in the search bar, FBT in the search bar um, on omahasteaks.com for a great offer. More on that later. All right, Chris, I'm going to give you three pitchers. Tell me if you're buying it. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, he has a 440 ERA, but... He has been so good lately. 297 ERA in his last six starts with 49 strikeouts in 39 and a third and a 12% swinging strike rate. Lance Lynn, Zach Eflin, great start yesterday. Eight innings, nine runs. This guy goes deep into games. Eflin has a 281 ERA and 66 strikeouts in 80, 80 innings, which would be, you know, kind of a red flag. And Joey Lucchese, are you buying it with Lucchese? He has four quality starts in his last five starts. I'm not really buying it because four of the, those four quality starts, three of them were against arguably the three worst offenses in baseball, and the other was last night against Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, what do you think in general about Lynn, Eflin, and Lucchese? 
I I don't want to dismiss them all across the board because it's fantasy baseball. Everybody needs pitching, and these guys look viable right now. And I think, you know, for the most part, I think they can all be various forms of viable. But no, I don't buy uh, Lynn and Eflin for sure as sub three ERA guys moving forward. Um, I think they'll be closer to the high three. Mark, uh, what's interesting about Eflin is his velocity was down early in the season, but I think it's starting to get back to where it was last season when his stuff really took a jump and he started getting a lot more strikeouts. The strikeouts haven't been there this season, but if they do follow, uh, then yeah, he gets a little more interesting and he's up to 94.8 miles per hour, uh, with his fastball in June. That's pretty much where he was last year. That does make him a little more interesting. And we saw him get nine strikeouts last night or nine or eight. Eight. A decent amount. Nine, nine, nine. Yeah. So that's a good sign. I I would say I have more faith in him than Lance Lynn just because I don't really have a good explanation for why Lance Lynn has been good. It's not like he's really changed his his pitch mix up very much. He's throwing his sinker less, but his four-seamer more. That can lead to more whiffs, but... It's not the kind of thing that I would say would make a guy like Lance Lynn take a step forward. And I think Joe Lucchese is always interesting. And and he's getting a, a ton of strikeouts right now, more than one per inning. He was at 10 last year, uh, but he's getting more ground balls this year. And so the FIP has actually dropped to 375 from 431 last year. So I think that does make him someone that is, that is more interesting and probably deserves... Uh, a little more love from the fantasy community. So how would you rank Lance Lynn, Eflin, and, and Lucchese? I know you like Eflin more than Lynn, but la- rank all three of them. I think I would go Eflin, Lucchese, Lynn. And, would and that you... might be unfair to Lynn. Like I, maybe I just have a mental block because he's been so mediocre. Uh, and even his pretty good 2017 season had really bad peripherals. So uh, I, I, I would put him last. And you know, if I end up being wrong about it, I can live with that. Eflin, Lucchese, Lynn. Okay, so would you trade any or all of them for for the recently demoted Chris Paddock? Yeah. You would. You would take Paddock. Because he's not. It's a fake demote. Right. It's an innings management thing. Yeah, I'd be shocked. I'd be, I would say I'd be shocked if he threw, if he pitched in a game at all in single A. I would be stunned if he pitches more than two innings. Okay, right. All right, so that, that is our headline. Uh, we go to the news and notes. San Diego did send Chris Paddock to the minors. Uh, that's not good, but actually I'm, I'm okay with it because, you know, they have to manage his innings. I think he could probably use a little bit of a breather now, and he should be back soon. So don't drop Chris Paddock. Matt Strom is going to start today at Colorado, so I think it's worth, you know, adding Matt Strom. As I mentioned yesterday, it's definitely not worth starting Matt Strom. He will be <laughs> on my bench at Colorado today. Uh, Paddock, by the way, has only thrown... He threw 90 innings last year. His only season with more than 50 innings, and so far he's at 65 and two thirds. So, I don't know. He might be halfway done, but you give him if they're at like basically teams have played like 67 games. So if Paddock has thrown half of his innings, let's say roughly, and he's down for two weeks, you, that's basically spacing him out through the end of the season. Just, yeah, he'll need another. Thought. He'll probably need another. Uh, you know phantom il trip or you get into like the service time questions with him because 
you only lose your year of service time after 20 days in the minors and you have to keep someone down for 10 days uh, once you send them down, unless there's an IL trip. So what I would expect is he gets sent down and sometime in the next 10 days, someone will go on the IL, they'll call him up before the 10 days, and that will give them leeway to put him back down in the minors maybe at some point in August. So it's something to keep in mind, but I would bet that they're going to try to have him active through the end of uh, the season. That's a sneaky little call. So he goes down now. Before 10 days are up, he comes back up because of an IL stint. Yeah. And then they send him back down. That's a great call. Let's see if Chris Towers is right about Chris Paddock. Meanwhile, Mike Clevenger is going to start on Monday. Nolan Arenado left with a... Yeah. Nolan Arenado left with a bone contusion. He hit 99 in his rehab start the other day. So that's a great sign. Uh, Nolan Arenado left with a bone contusion because people like to throw at people and it's getting annoying already. Uh, Ken Giles is on the IL with elbow inflammation. He could miss just the minimum of 10 days. But Joe Biagini tonight is going to be the fill-in closer, which is great. Is he? Yeah. Which is great because now... It's the eighth yesterday. Now, they won yesterday in extras. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a look at the box. No, they won in nine innings. They won in nine? Yeah, and Daniel Hudson had to come in and uh, rescue him out of that. And he came into into a tough situation. It it looked like the kind of situation that you'd go to your best reliever for. Um, But, yeah, he he needed some help, and it was Daniel Hudson who actually got the save last night. So just something to keep in mind. Okay. All right. Well, look, that's actually, like, short-term, Giles might be back in 10 days. But Giles also is likely to get a good chance to get traded. I won't say likely, but, you know, it's a a bullpen worth monitoring. John Duplantier is on the IL with shoulder inflammation. Joey Votto left with back sniffness. He doesn't think it's a big deal. I think I said sniffness, but it's stiffness. (laughs) Willie Calhoun's going to begin a rehab assignment today. Two Oakland pitching prospects made their season debuts in Class A, Jesus Lazardo and A.J. Puck, and they were both throwing gas. Yeah, uh, it sounds like Puck was hitting 99-98 in his first inning back from Tommy John surgery. That dude, the numbers aren't great, but that's that's a guy with like a Tyler Glass now type of uh, upside. You know, he, he struck out a ton of people. I think it was like 185 and 130 innings in his most recent triple, uh, minor league season. And of but course, he had like a four ERA. AJ Puck, you just, you know, it's got to remind you like it reminds me of Puck from Glee. Uh, no, it doesn't remind me of that. But okay. every time I write about him, I have to do a control H and make sure that I spelled it puck and not puke. <laughs> sure. Because I did that three times writing about him yesterday. Not thinking about Glee, right? Okay, Bryce Harper. That's weird, by the way. Why Why would you spell it puke? Bryce Harper, I mentioned him in the Worryometer <laughs> yesterday. What I didn't mention, what I didn't realize, is that over his last 23 games, Bryce Harper's actually batting 301, but he does have 27 strikeouts. Um 873 OPS. Just wanted to bring that up. Philadelphia relief pitcher Pat Neshek could return this weekend. I doubt he takes any saves from Hector Neris, but it had happened in the past. Uh, Jordan Yamamoto, who we already talked about, he's from Hawaii, and he wore number 50. Hawaii 5-0. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Texas moved Drew Smiley to the bullpen. Hunter Dozier could be back soon. Three more hits, including two doubles and a steal for Malik Smith. Pick him up. Whit Merrifield stole a base. Hooray! And Woo! yesterday... Against Justin Verlander and a great Houston bullpen, Lorenzo Cain and Travis Shaw both went 0 for 6 with four strikeouts. 
0 for 6 with four strikeouts for both Kane and Shaw. <laughs> Bad nights at the ballpark. When we come back, quick bullpen updates, then buy low or heck no. Some regulating, replacement closers, the most traded list. I'm telling you, a lot of segments today. We'll be right back. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Going to be keeping a close eye on the Braves' bullpen. Luke Jackson didn't blow a save, but he did give up a run in the ninth inning. A.J. Minter pitched a scoreless eighth, but he did walk two. Uh, Blake Parker was bad against Seattle. Taylor Rogers, the better guy to own there, I'd say. Anthony mm-hmm. Bass blew a save for Seattle at Minnesota. And uh, Rowena Elias got the save in extra innings for Seattle. I don't want anything to do with that bullpen, Chris Towers. Yeah, I don't see much reason to want to have anything to do with that bullpen. Yeah. Um, maybe someone else steps up. Uh, but right now, it's nobody's really been good in that bullpen. That, that's been the, the problem is that there's not... Like in Toronto, like we were mentioning, you can look at Joe Biagini and, and say, well, he could be a very good closer. I, I don't know if the, the Mariners... like. <sighs> Brandon Brennan, maybe, but no, it, it's a it's a pretty gross list. You're a gross list. So, uh, by lower heck no. All right, I want to see if you still are defending Matt Carpenter. Uh, Matt Carpenter is 97% only, 78% started. He is batting 219 with nine mm-hmm. home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrible year. Mm-hmm. Do, do you still think? By the way, when I said, are you still defending Matt Carpenter? I probably mm-hmm. am too. So um, mm-hmm. what do we think? What do we think? We buy low on Matt Carpenter or heck no? Yeah. Yeah, you buy low. I mean, I, I will say it's not quite as obvious as it looked this time last season. His his batted ball numbers mostly back up what he's doing right now. You know, he has a 318 Woba, 329X Woba. Uh, he's just not hitting the ball as hard as often he had a 45 percent hard hit rate last season per baseball savant down to 34 percent this year so last year it was an obvious yes glaring sign of buy low right now it's mostly just it's not betting on what he's doing right now it's betting on him turning it around based on the track record which is very very good it is very good it's so this is like okay Looking at mm-hmm. his hard contact rate on fan graphs, it's still good, but it's not what it was last year, um, as you just were talking about. But what I'm going to add is that it's very similar to 2016 and 17, and, and here were his numbers in those years. 2016, 271 batting average, 505 slugging, always a good OBP, but 271 with 21 homers in 129 games. So let's say like 271 with 25 homers. Uh 2017, 241 with 23 homers in 145 games. Like, if you're telling me he's a 260 hitter on a 25-homer pace, and that's really Matt Carpenter, that doesn't quite move the needle for me. But, I mean, that's that's a 
starting caliber player who's eligible at multiple positions. Yeah, it's not great, but it's no. fine. No, but the, the nice thing about him is, you know, there are some guys who are like better in. He, so his, I'm trying to find the right way to word it, but basically for me, it's he's better in points where there's fewer roster spots, but he's multi-eligible. So you'll find a spot for him. You know, you, you'll have four options of where to put him in your lineup in a roto league. So I think in either way, he's a starting caliber player. If he does become a 260, 25 homer guy, if that's all he becomes, and I, I would say that's not on the higher end of what you could expect, you're still going to find a spot in your lineup for him. And, you know, well, he's only, I would wait, think he's at this only, point... He is only first and third base eligible. Right, right. But in Roto, that means you can play him at first, you can play him at third, you can play him at corner infield, you can play him oh, at okay. utility. All right. So you're going to have somewhere to play him. So, so Like, I'm in a 15-team league where I'm starting Rowdy to Les. I would yeah. love to have Matt Carpenter. Yeah, but but here, okay, but here's what I was going to say. Like Matt Carpenter is currently hitting 219. If I think he's a 260 hitter, it's a little late maybe to get the batting average all the way up. But if I'm buying low on Matt Carpenter, I know you don't you don't this philosophy. Right, you I'm, I I'm thinking he hits 260, 270 moving forward. Right, yeah, and I think that if I believe in Matt Carpenter, that I've got to feel like there's a stretch where he, for three weeks, whatever it is, he he goes crazy. Sure. Like there's got to be a major hot streak in there, um, to yeah. get that batting average up. So. It, I don't know that he's going to hit like 330, but I'd hope that he could at least hit 290 rest of season or something like that uh, to make up for some I, of I his just, bad I wouldn't average. expect it. I All think right. if you're expecting that, you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. But it's not impossible. It wouldn't shock me. I would, I would just say I would, I would expect something more like 280, maybe. Miles Michaelis. Buy low or heck no on Miles Michaelis. Five innings, eight hits, five runs at the Marlins. You know, he actually said, last year I got pretty lucky. This year I'm not getting any luck. Something like that. Uh, but yeah, you did get lucky last year, Miles Michaelis. By lower, heck no. Yeah, he does have a 20% home run to fly ball ratio, which is more than double what it was last season. So yeah, you can say there's some bad luck, but he's also getting about half as half as many infield fly balls. So you know the the skills seem to have taken at least a little bit of a step back, and and his peripheral peripherals are worse than last year, even once you normalize uh, for the home run rate and. The thing that makes me not want to buy low on him is, okay, so we acknowledge he got lucky last year. He's probably more of, he probably should have been more of a mid threes ERA guy. Sure. If he's pitching worse, maybe he's more of a high threes ERA guy. I just don't know how much upside there is. And if, I, if I'm trying to buy low, I'm trying to buy low for some upside. Now, the home run that Garrett Cooper hit yesterday was a good pitch. It was six inches on the inside of the plate, and Garrett Cooper somehow managed to hit that for a home run. So that was a little bit of bad luck. He did not make a bad pitch there. Um, but, yeah, I there are other guys I would rather buy low on at starting pitch. Such as? Uh, well, I wrote a whole column about it yesterday, so you'd think I have some on my head. Well, it was about was uh, it about Corbin and Bauer? Yeah, it was about higher end guys. Um but yeah, if you give me like 30 seconds, I can do I that. probably find some good names. I can do that. Uh we're going to look at the most traded list in a li- in a little bit. Austin Riley, I think is number 1 on that list. Start sit drop. Got some crazy numbers. Here's a preview of crazy numbers for you. Kevin Biggio 
has five more walks than he has hits. Biggio has 11 walks in 14 games. Meanwhile, fellow rookie Josh Naylor of the Padres has zero walks in 17 games. Those are some of the wacky numbers we're going to talk about. I also want to talk about Chance Sisko. Panic at Chance Sisko. He is 10% owned. He DH'd last night for the Orioles. He's a catcher and uh, off to a good start. Did I give you enough time? Yes. I've got some guys now. All right. Thank you, Adam. That was your professional. By low time uh, with Chris Towers, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. So, guys, and it's guys I would rather buy law on the Miles Michaelis. I'd rather buy law on Eduardo Rodriguez, who has a five ERA, but should be pitching better than that. His control's been good, lots of strikeouts. Never going to be someone who pitches deep into games, but if Miles Michaelis keeps pitching like this, he won't either. Zach Wheeler, another guy, almost a five ERA, but the peripherals largely look very similar to where they were last season. Uh, yeah, I love Can you one. buy low on Pablo Lopez? He's someone that I would because I think he's better than his peripherals, but he's on a little heater right now. It might be a, a buy-high situation because I do think he'll just be a pretty solid pitcher. I, I think he'll be better than Michaelis moving forward. Um, and I would go out and buy low on Joe Musgrove. I know it's been a, a tough Ooh. stretch right now, but I think he's a talented pitcher, someone mm. who uh, I would rather have than Michaelis. I don't think he's that good of a pitcher, but that's just like... Like I said, it's just somebody that I've never really had a ton of faith in. Like last year, he got off to such a good start, Joe Musgrove, and I was watching sure. like, why? Like, what is it that make that is making Joe Musgrove good? And then it completely fell apart. Same so thing he, sort of happened good, this year. He's a good command guy, uh, and he does have a pretty deceptive fastball. That was kind of the the story on him coming up out of the minors. Now, the one thing that I would prefer to see is more strikeouts because that's what he did when he was doing when he was going well. We haven't seen that from him yet, but I, I think he's better than Michaelis. He couldn't even get out of the first inning against the Braves, Chris. <laughs> he got ejected. It was it's a good point. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Guess what? Hey, it's time to regulate. All right. This is part one. This is from Jason in a small Western Massachusetts town. He says, hey, Gator, Jim, and Carl. Ooh, I have no idea. Yeah, me either. Uh, I offered a trade in a 10-team categories league, and uh, the trade was my Bauer and Chris Paddock for Verlander. It was accepted by the owner. Then it got vetoed during the too-long trade process, and I found out that the owner that accepted it also vetoed it because of the news of Paddock being sent down. This news came after the trade was accepted. I don't expect the commission to make the trade go through. I'm not even going to ask him. But can you guys call these guys out for bad form? Yeah, don't have a veto process. Don't have a voting process for vetoes. That's ridiculous. The commissioner should be empowered to be able to veto trades if they are blatantly unfair. But this, like, I think that trade's too good for the guy I'm playing against this week. So, like, that's nonsense. That's a... That's... Baby stuff. Grow up. <laughs> I, like, if you want to make a good trade, make a good trade. Don't force other people to not be able to make good trades just because you can't do it. I don't agree. Vetoes should only be for objectively bad yeah, trades, I and this was that. not one. I agree. I agree, but you know what? Oh, what bothers me about some of these leagues with like the two to three day. Hey, a trade went through. Now you, the rest of the league, you have two, three days to to bitch about it and try to get it overturned. Yeah, like no, that it's... is terrible. By the way, I no. googled Gator, Jim, and Carl, 
And uh, the first result is a Miami Herald article from May 6th. Florida woman pulls gator from her pants during traffic stop. When a Florida deputy asked the woman if she had anything else on her during a routine traffic stop, he wasn't expecting what she did next. She, quote, proceeded to pull an alligator out of her yoga pants and placed it into the bed of the truck, end quote. So the thing, alligators are are cold-blooded creatures, and they need to stay warm. You know, they're they're very sedentary. They, They like to warm themselves in the sun. And so she was just keeping the alligator warm. I don't see the problem. I don't either. I just I was bringing up the article because that's such a <laughs> such a responsible thing to do. Let's talk about replacement <laughs> closers. If your closer gets traded and becomes a setup man, who should you pick up? Well, I looked at let's see seven situations. I'm sure I missed some. This doesn't have to be the you last. You know, we had time a we, we had a piece this. on CBSSports.com about this earlier this week. We did. Yeah. On a fantasy piece. Yes, we did. Oh, you're kidding me. No. No, I'm not kidding you, but it's fine because it was it, it it wasn't someone on the show. It was one of our uh, one of our freelance guys, so it's fine for you to ignore them. Crap! Oh, I feel really bad now. And and you no, know what? No, don't. We're we're promoting it right now. Go read it. It's from Paul Mamino. It's still on Fantasy Stash Baseball. Oh, I see it. Homepage. I see it. Uh, he goes through every division, tries to find the best replacement options, and and tells you who might get traded. It's Boy, perfect this, timing. This would have saved. This would have saved me a lot of time. <laughs> uh, all right, so so Toronto, Joe Biagini, D- Detroit, they have a terrible bullpen, and Joe Jimenez has been terrible this year, but I presume he would be the guy replacing Shane Green if Green gets traded. The best situation slash worst situation might be San Francisco because Will Smith, I can't imagine he doesn't get moved. And Sam Dyson, Mark Melanson, and Tony Watson are all having good years. I think Dyson would probably be the guy. Why did I just hear my voice in the background? Uh, uh, I haven't. I got a new computer. I haven't quite <laughs> configured it to mute my tabs when I open them. So how uh, annoying for that people. That one's on me. To have to hear me all the time. Uh, I'm sorry. I, same. Yeah. No, like I mean, in your browser, Sam Dyson, Melanson, Watson. Watson's a lefty. I I think I. You know what? Let me check last night because I think Will Smith got the save. I think Dyson usually pitches the eighth. So that would be my pick in San Francisco. Um, Kansas City, Brad Boxberger has been awful, but if they trade Ian Kennedy, maybe Boxberger. Uh, Pittsburgh's interesting. Kyle Crick is good. And he... Yeah. Uh, and, Lir- Lir- and Liriano also, by the way. Francisco Liriano. Yes, he's been very good this year. But I think Kyle Crick would probably get the saves if Vasquez has moved. So Yeah, former top prospect. Uh, I would also throw in Scott Barlow from Kansas City, by the way. Okay. Uh, he's had a bit of a rough stretch lately, but he's been he's been pretty good this season. Uh, last it was it was Watson who set up Smith. Dyson pitched the seventh, Watson pitched the eighth. That could be a mess in San Francisco. Uh, yeah. Kelvin Herrera, like would make sense to replace Colome if Colome gets moved, but Kelvin Herrera has been terrible. Uh, yeah. 684 ERA. Aaron Bummer is having a good year for them, but he's a lefty, so that could be a bad one. And Evan Marshall, too. Evan Marshall, all right, in Chicago for the White Sox. If the Nationals decide to start selling and Doolittle goes, uh, Tanner Rainey has had a good year. Wander Suero usually pitches the eighth inning, but he has a 618 ERA. <laughs> so I... I don't know. The ones I identified, like maybe Jimenez could just be better than what he's been because he's a really good strikeout pitcher. 
in Detroit, and then whoever it is in, in San Francisco. And I think Kyle Crick might be the best stash right now, but I'm not sure that the Pirates move Vasquez. Am I missing anyone big? Anyone obvious? Um, Bryce Iglesias is under contract, but it wouldn't shock me if they moved him given his uh, you know, grumbling earlier in the season. They've had some really good guys in their bullpen. Amir Garrett has... Uh, you know, former top prospect who has really just been lights out in the bullpen, uh, has been unhittable. And Robert Stevenson, actually, another top prospect. They've both been uh, pretty good so far. I think Garrett, he's already thrown 26 innings, so it's not like he's being used as a lefty specialist. And he's he's had a ton of strikeouts so far this season. So I think those are two guys who, you know, if Iglesias does get moved, that could be an option. We're going to take a look at the most traded list after a quick break on Fantasy Baseball today. Austin Riley homered again yesterday. Should you trade him or just hang on? We'll be right back. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Adam and Chris back here on Fantasy Baseball Today. By the way, watch our Sunday show, Fantasy Baseball Today, the video version. Uh, It's strictly video. It's from 3 to 6 p.m., Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. It's really fun. Okay, if you want to see the most traded list, just find the roster trends either on cbsportscom fantasy or in one of your leagues, and you can go to most traded, and you should sort team status by all, or you can look at just free agents. Actually, that doesn't exist. Uh, oh, no, it does um, for, for for most traded. But most added, most, most dropped, most owned, very useful lists when you're making your waiver claims. Now, Austin Riley is the most traded player. Jose Ramirez is number two. Manny Machado is number three. DeGrom is four. Goldschmidt is five. There's a mix of underachievers and overachievers. And DeGrom, who I think has just been like... I mean, the overall numbers aren't great, but he's basically been DeGrom lately. So, Um, Okay, who would you rather have rest of the season? Austin Riley or Jose Ramirez? (laughs) Um, <laughs> I considered running out of the room rather than answering that question. Uh, I, I think it's gotta be Austin Riley at this point. Like we're, we're going and, and that's more about my concern for, for Ramirez than it is that I think Austin Riley's just a superstar. Now I, I think Austin Riley's, you know, probably 10 to 12 range at third base moving forward. Uh, we did just see a big slowdown from him before this. Um, yeah, home run. So, I I think yeah, I, I would take him over Jose Ramirez, and then I don't feel good about it. He was two it for twenty two with nine strikeouts before homering yesterday, mm-hmm. going three for five with a home run yesterday. What on earth would you do as a Jose Ramirez owner right now? Who's gonna give you anything for him? So I have been offered a couple of Jose Ramirez trades in one of my two Jose Ramirez leagues. And what I... Let me see if I can get them, find them in my text messages. So, okay, I would give up 
Tatis Ramirez and Tyler Malley. Man. Oh no, this is what I proposed. I'm sorry, Chris. Oh, it's okay. Oh no, okay. This is it. I would give up Fernando Tatis, Jose Ramirez, and Tyler Malley. I would get Charlie Morton, Brandon Woodruff, and Tommy Listella. Okay, one more time. Yeah, I'd give up Tatis, Jose Ramirez, and Malley. I need pitching. I would get Morton, Woodruff, and Listella. I think that's fine. Yeah, it's not bad. But I, I think Morton and and Woodruff are probably top twenty, twenty five starting pitchers. So it's really nice to get two of those guys. Um, you know, I do like Malley. I obviously I think Fernando Tatis is very good, but you know he plays the deepest position in fantasy. And and Jose Ramirez has been the victim of a little bit of bad luck. It is worth noting he hasn't been good, but the bad ball data does suggest he should be hitting more like two forty, two fifty. Uh, you know, maybe with a couple more home runs. It's not anything to write home about. He's been bad by any measure, but he probably should be a little better than he has been. So, mm-hmm. one ninety-eight batting average for Ramirez. Congratulations. But, but what I said about Ramirez is that I don't. <sighs> I'm so hesitant to trade him because we have gone almost 70 games now. If you trade Jose Ramirez after 70 terrible games and then he becomes one of the best players in baseball again, like I will not be able to play fantasy ever again. I won't be able to live with it. I'm done. It would be su- it would kill me. So But that's the uh I think that's the gambler's fallacy. No, nah, I don't know. People use this gambler's fallacy thing to talk about Basically, the batting average thing that I was talking about with Matt Carpenter earlier. This is just the, like, I'm afraid That's to sell... That's a sunk cost fallacy. Sorry. Yeah, come on. Oh, there you go. That makes sense. I, yeah. I'm afraid to sell low on the guy because, you know, he could win you the league if he gets back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. But there just aren't very many signs that he'll get back to normal. Like, it's, it's basically taking it on faith that whatever's broken is fixable uh, because he's been, you know, arguably the worst hitter in baseball. You know, what do you, uh, yeah. What, what like Jeff you, Mathis has played, so I guess he hasn't been the worst, but he does have, I think 16 steals. Right? Yeah. No, for so, fantasy, he's been better than that, but he still hasn't been good. He's good. He still has good plate discipline. Uh, so yeah. what do you make of the rest of the list? Like Goldschmidt, Paddock, Bumgarner, Cindergard, and Nola. Goldschmidt is a, is he still a buy low? Has he turned things around? I know he was really. struggling for a long time. He's um, still a buy low. Yeah, I, I think he's still going to be very good moving forward. I think Chris Paddock's a pretty good buy low right now. Uh, you know, this data probably comes mostly from before when he was caught, sent down, but you might get someone in your league that's panicking about his slow start and him getting sent down and, you know, doesn't quite read all the news updates or listen to fantasy baseball today, and you might be able to to snag him for a fairly cheap cost. I think he'll be very good moving forward. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, Aaron Nola, I think both are are obvious by lows. Uh, Syndergaard probably a little more obvious than Nola just because, you know, I, I wrote this piece yesterday about last year's breakouts and what's gone wrong for them so far. Because there's a lot of last year's best pitchers that have just been real disappointments, and he's been one of the biggest. Um, Who? Nola? And with Nola. Nola and, I, and I don't know. It's hard to identify exactly what's gone wrong. Like the stuff mostly looks the same. His curveball is moving a little differently, so I wonder if it's, you know, maybe a release point thing. I wonder if he's tipping his pitches, but because the velocity's still there, because the stuff is still there, 
Um, you know, his biggest issue is hitters aren't really swinging against him right now. Uh, and so that's caused a drop in strikeouts and a rise in walks. But I just, the track record for him is so good. I think he'll get back on pat on track um, because there aren't super glaring signs. Who would you rather have, Syndergaard or Nola? Nola. Okay. I think. Who would you rather have, Manny Machado or Aaron Nola? Nola. Chris, let's play start, sit, or drop. Here we go. Let's do it. Start, sit, or drop. Fun game. Pretty self-explanatory. But, Chris, you're going to tell me if you'd start the guy, sit the guy, or drop the guy. I can't believe hold I on, hold on. Yeah. Slow down. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give it a shot. Josh Donaldson, 91% owned, 70% started. Pretty bad numbers. He's been bad for like six weeks now, but he is still hitting the ball really, really hard. So there's yeah. that. Josh Donaldson, start, sit, or drop. Yeah, he's in the top 2% in uh, average exit velocity this season. So there are still good signs. I think you sit him until he he starts to turn it around. You know, the strikeouts are are a bit of a problem, but I, I don't think he'll continue to struggle against lefties, and that'll that'll start to give him a boost. Donaldson or Jose Ramirez rest of season? <laughs> are, you, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know. I haven't left yet. You're not answering that? Um, Ramirez. All right. Start, sit, or drop. Franmil Reyes. Who like Franmil Reyes is 19 home runs, but he is the number 58 outfielder in points, number 39 in roto, 83% owned, 71% started. Franmil Reyes. He has a like really low Babbitt, right? It's got to be because I he hits know. the ball well. He doesn't really strike out very much. Um, yeah, he has a 244 Babbitt, and he profiles as someone who should be a pretty good Babbitt guy. High line drive rate, hits the ball really hard. He's striking. He, I'll take it back. He is striking out 27% of the time, so that's up from what I thought it was. But yeah, I think at the very worst you sit. You don't drop Fran Milreis. There, there's just too much potential here. There is so much potential. He needs to be a little more consistent, but he also doesn't play every day. If the Padres make a trade or something like that and free up more playing time for him, that would be great. Gregory Polanco, 69% owned, 45% started. Start, sit, or drop. Gregory Polanco. I still want him on my team. I'll sit him. He's coming back from that shoulder injury. They're giving him days off. Um, you know, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been terrible so far. And I just, I, I still really like the potential. I think there's, you know, we saw last year, Michael Conforto took a little while to get going, but he was really good in the second half. I think the same could happen for Polanco. Yandy Diaz, 65% owned. Start, sit, or drop Diaz. He has three home runs. Since April 27th. I think I'm okay with dropping him. I, I, I don't think he's terrible, but I think he's kind of returned to uh, just a guy territory. You know, we were very excited about the possibility of him taking this big leap forward as a power hitter. And I mean, that's happened, but you know what he was doing early, I don't think was sustainable. So you know, if you need to drop him, I'm not necessarily saying everybody should, but it's not the worst idea in the world. So this is Yandy Diaz we're talking about. So who's more droppable to you, Diaz or Polanco? Diaz. Two more here. Matt Olson, 74% owned. Since he came off the IL on May 7th, he's the number 12 first baseman in points, number 14 in Roto. Only Pete Alonso has more home runs among first base eligible players since May 7th. Only Michael Chavis has struck out more than Matt Olson. So he is a three true outcomes guy. 
and start, sit, or drop Matt Olson, 74% owned? Uh, I think you start him. I think he's now you do. shown that the Hammett injury wasn't uh, wasn't a problem. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll keep him in my lineup. Four home runs in his last six games. He's going to be a pretty yeah. annoying player. And then how about Derek yeah. Dietrich? Seventy-seven uh, percent owned since the three homer game, not including yesterday when he went one for four with a double, a run, and a strikeout. Dietrich uh, is batting one ninety-four in eleven games since the three homer game with a double, three walks, and ten strikeouts. And he's seventy-seven percent owned. Was this fool's gold? Start, sit, or drop Derek Dietrich. Uh, start. I no. think you know, especially in a roto league. I think he's someone that you can definitely keep in there as a either a second baseman or middle infielder. All right, let me let me tell you uh, Derek Dietrich's matchups next week because I mean, sure, yeah. If he has a bunch of lefties coming up, then you sit him because he's he's just not going to be. Anything more than you're hoping he's just bad against lefty. Uh, he's probably not going to play against lefties unless Votto is, you know, Votto's got the back issue. Next week for the Reds, they have, ooh, they have seven righties, but. Yeah, you start Derek Dietrich. They are Peacock, Verlander, Cole, Nelson, Chase Anderson, Peralta, and Woodruff. So not the easiest yeah, matchups, he, but he'll, he'll, no, get, a lot of, not he'll greatest, get a lot of time. But, you start him against seven righties. He's been good against righties his whole career. Uh, all right, all right. Especially within the context of a, a second base. <sighs> Let's see what else we got. Let me get to the deep league guys. See who you're interested in here. Chance Cisco, ten percent owned. So he's Baltimore catcher who just got called up recently, batting two seventy eight with a home run in six games, and he did DH yesterday with Renato Nunez sitting. I expect Nunez to DH against lefties and. They'll probably mix it around against righties. Uh, so that's Chance Cisco. Garrett Cooper, 28% owned. Sean Anderson, that's a giant starting pitcher, 9% owned. And Tommy Malone, who is a Minnesota, uh, Seattle pitcher uh, who's been used with an opener his last two times out, and he's actually been pretty good. Uh, so all these guys are like 10% owned, Cisco, Anderson, and Malone, except for Garrett Cooper, who's 28% owned. It's a big difference. Um, what do you, I, I guess, I think really Chance Cisco is the interesting one here. Yeah. You, you know, because Cooper's yeah, like ownership I, percentage. I think Garrett Cooper's an interesting player, but he's not going to hit for a ton of power with how many ground balls he hits. Uh, so you're looking for a batting average. And, you know, the, it's not that he can't be helpful, but I think 28% on might be a little low, but it's not terribly low. So right. Chance Cisco is the one that I look at. Um, you know, former really big prospect, um, hasn't quite lived up to it in the high minors, but 914 OPS. He was incredible in spring training. It was kind of a travesty that the Orioles didn't call him up uh, to start the season. And, you know, I, I think there's probably some service time chicanery going on there. Um, but, yeah, I think he can be a, a starting caliber second catcher. Okay, Chance Cisco, not on a lot of radars. Chance Cisco or the guy I talk about every day, Carson Kelly. Kelly. You should you you by the way are very close to having a great call on Carson Kelly if he continues he's, to play. He's he's like it was weird that nobody was interested. Like everybody freaked out about Danny Jansen coming in, and I get it. But their profiles weren't that dissimilar. Carson Kelly was a top prospect. He just kind of got buried in St. Louis because he's behind you know, the the greatest St. Louis Cardinal of all time. 
And so there was nowhere for him to play, and people just kind of okay, forgot that's, about him. That's that. He true. continued to hit in AAA. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just that there was a three-way competition, and all three guys sure. were going to play. But that's sort of kind of sorting itself out now. Um, I, I told you about those crazy numbers. I'm just going to do this segment quickly here, so I want to read some emails and do some regulating. Uh, so the crazy numbers: Rafael Devers has eight steals, and he got caught stealing last night, going for his ninth. Eight steals for Devers. He had eight steals in 179 games in his first two seasons. Carlos Santana has a 936 OPS. He has a career 811 OPS. Santana's having his best year, batting 286 with 14 home runs so far. Um, David Dahl has a 430 BABIP. And Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio has been tr- like terrible. He has one extra base hit in 14 games. But he also has a 21.2% walk rate, which is like ridiculous. He has five more walks than hits. Um, he's having a strange start to his season. I think it's encouraging that he's walking well, so much, but you know, you got, you got to hit a so little bit. So this was the concern that a lot of scouts had with him. You, you, you look back even before the 2018 breakout, he had pretty decent numbers across uh, his minor league career. And then he, he really broke out. He was awesome in AAA this season. But one of the things that a lot of scouts were concerned about was that his walk rate was more a, a result of passivity rather than like he has a good eye, but he lets a lot of pitches go, gets deep into accounts and it, it puts him in not great situations. That was one of the, one of the knocks on him coming up that the scouts didn't like him quite as much as the numbers. And so I I do wonder if that's what we're seeing right now. That is interesting. Yeah. I just dropped him in a fairly deep league and I I think it's not an OBP league. So you know, I was talking to my co-owner. I was like, he's walking all the time. And the guy's like, well, we don't get points. We don't get any credit for that. It's true. So I dropped him. Um, the other one I think that we should talk about is Dahl. His BABIP in, four, in three seasons, and in all three seasons, it hasn't been a lot of games. No more than 77 games. But 404, 311, and 430. So I know 430 is high, but do you think David Dahl could lead baseball in BABIP? Is he going to always be a high BABIP guy? He's two out of three seasons with a BABIP over 400. He's at 744 plate appearances with a 380 career BABIP. That's really good. Um, playing in course field helps. He hits a lot of line drives. That helps. I don't I know how to feel about him. Should... I don't know how Is to that... feel. I just don't know how to feel about him. Like, only 10 I mean... strikeouts in his last 21 games. That was a huge problem early. But the dude has six home runs in 58 yeah, he... games and two steals. So here's, here's, you know, uh, Marlins catcher, I can't think. Jorge Alfaro is another yeah. guy who has had incredible Babbitt uh, success through his first, you know, three partial seasons. Very similar to this. Even if David Dahl leads baseball, like, is the highest true Babbitt guy in baseball, I don't think anybody has more than 1,000 plate appearances in baseball among active players right now with a BABIP above 355 or 360. So Hmm. that still would suggest 70 points of regression coming for David Dahl. If you think he is, you know, 99th percentile. And so that's, what's tough. He's hitting for enough power, but it's mostly, it's more like doubles power right now. Right. Yes. It's a lot of doubles. Those got to turn into You'd want to see more home runs. And I think you could, you could expect that. You know, he hits the ball reasonably hard. He plays in a great park. 13% home run to fly ball rate. That's a little below the league average right now, which is about 15%, which 
which is wild. Uh, <laughs> so I would think he's someone that you would expect a couple more home runs from, and you know that can help sort it out. But he's not going to hit three hundred, I would guess. I think you're probably looking at more of a two seventy five, two eighty hitter, even with cores, based on his current skill set. I want to dedicate the rest of the show to our emailers. So let me just ask you about these fringy starting pitchers and if you're interested in them. Zach Plezak, 70% owned, had his worst start. Danny Duffy had a pretty good start, very good start against Detroit. Merrill Kelly, uh, last six starts, he's been very good. And uh, he's three straight starts of seven or more innings and zero or one earned run for Merrill Kelly. And let's see if I had anyone. Brett Anderson. So Zach Plezak, Duffy, Kelly, and Anderson. I'm not interested in Brett Anderson. I'm somewhat interested in Danny Duffy, 30% uh, rostered rate. Seems a little low. Uh, could go a little higher than that. Merrill Kelly, probably the same. He's at 38%. I think he probably should be owned more. I don't think there's a ton of upside there because he doesn't strike anyone out, really. But uh, he's he's probably going to be like a high 3 ZRA guy on a decent team. So that that deserves to be owned in, in more uh, mixed leagues. And Plezak, I think he's way over owned at seventy percent. I just don't think the skill sits there to uh, to support. I, I think he, I think he could be similar to Merrill Kelly, maybe with a few more strikeouts, but uh, certainly don't think there should be a thirty-two percent difference in uh, how many leagues they're rostered. Kelly has Colorado and San Francisco at home next week, so those are pretty good matchups. And yeah. Plezak is at Texas and then home against Detroit, so one good, one bad. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. This is from Dave in Burbank. Have you ever seen a player go from first-rounder to 30th-rounder as quickly as Jose Ramirez? Is it time to rename the Mendoza line the Ramirez line? That's that's mean. Like, he's trying his best. Yeah, but but honestly, like, I can't think of a bigger bust. I I cannot think of a guy who's a first-round pick who who was this bad. Can you? Uh, for 70 games, I think we probably could find someone, but no, it's, it, this is one of the bigger busts in recent memory for sure. There, there's just, there's very little redeeming him. I mean, we, we talked about him earlier. There's just not a lot to, uh, to say he's been awful. This is from Scott, dear Howie, Trey, Adam, and Anthony. Nationals. They are. I was reminded of one of my biggest fantasy pet peeves today when I received a trade offer in which the other manager went on and on listing all the reasons the player he's trying to send me is fantastic and for real. If he's that incredible, why are you trying to get rid of him? How do you Mm -hmm. respond to trade offers like that? What are some of your biggest fantasy pet peeves? That is definitely one of them. We, oh, yeah. uh, I play in, an, in a league with a bunch of my college buddies. It's a 14-team football league, and um, we've been playing for about a decade, and, and I think four of the people in the league actually work at CBS now, and one of them is Igor Mello, a baseball editor. Love him. Lovely person. We hang out all the time. Great guy. But he is the guy who will send you the trade offers and then hit you up on, on a message and say, oh, the guy I'm giving up is so good. Look how good he's been. <laughs> You know, he's going to take this role and the guy I'm trading for, like he sucks. He's worthless. Oh yeah. You have to do this trade. And it's annoying for anyone to do that to anyone. But like, this is my job. Why are you trying to yeah, talk oh, me yeah, into exactly. the trade? Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, don't do that. That's just obnoxious. That's, that's an instant call out in the group chat or the, or the Slack channel that we have for our league. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. All right. Here's a tweet from Andrew. Matt Chapman is 1 for 27 with 13 strikeouts. Can you bring this up? 
on the pod. Yes, I can. Matt Chapman is one for 27 with 13 strikeouts. He is the number 12 third baseman in points, number 15 in roto, batting 249 with 16 home runs. He's had a streaky season so far. He's actually four for 37 in his last nine games. Um, he's surprisingly been much better at home than on the road. He's been abysmal on the road, which is a reverse from yet, uh, last year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the plate discipline strides that we saw at the beginning of the season, they're gone, Chris. But what do you think overall about Matt Chapman? I think he's probably underperforming a little bit, actually. You know, 249 batting average is with a 259 BABIP. He had a 338 and 290 BABIP the previous two seasons. So, you know, I think there's a lot of BABIP regression coming, probably 40 to 50 points. Uh, so I, I think you're probably going to see him hit right around 275, 280 like he did last season. I think he's a very good third baseman. Uh, I really don't have any concerns. And from Jay, subject line, oh, this was sent yesterday at 2.46 p.m. Subject line, Blues win the Stanley Cup. I'm sending this to you because I did this before game four and the Blues won that night. Tonight, it's game seven. I've wanted this so insanely bad my entire life, and I'm going to the watch party at Bush Stadium tonight. How cool is that? To be with thousands and thousands of people downtown to watch the boys hoist the cup. I'm getting misty just thinking about it, and I'll definitely cry tomorrow if you read this on the pod. Let's go, Blues. And he was right. It worked. Congratulations. It's pretty cool, man. First championship in 50 or 51 years of existence. Like, that's really cool. Congratulations to the Blues. And um, as much as I was into hockey, I fell asleep in the second period last night, so I apologize. But the first period period was all I needed to see. Oh, my God. You called me out on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I was tired. And didn't even watch the game, Adam. I watched watched 2-0. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. What a... Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. I know. It's true. Okay, um, I, I think we I think we could squeeze in a regulators here. Let's do it. Let's, Quick. let's see what we squeeze. got. Yeah. Okay, here we go. <sighs> Which one do I want to read? Oh, this one. Subject: Bum owner regulator ask. Stop doing that. I thought this was about Madison Bumgarner, by the way, but it's about a bum owner. I'm in a 13 team. <laughs> I'm in a 13 team. Uh, six by six roto keeper league where Uh. owners can trade future picks as part of trade packages. We have a perennial seller dweller owner who refuses to make trades because he says he watches (laughs) a lot of baseball. (laughs) What's so funny? He refuses to make trades because he says he watches a lot of baseball. I don't get that either. Well, this is great, though. He's relatively active on waivers and has spent $2 in fab. His lack of willingness to make any deal drives me insane to prove a point i offered him my 22nd round pick for his 23rd round pick and he refused <laughs> he refused that trade does this demonstrate he's not trying to win now or in the future am i being totally irrational to want him out of the league so we could either free up players or get a more engaged owner and this is from tom i love that you offered him a 22nd round pick for a 23rd <laughs> round pick and he refused that like why would anybody do that that's uh like if he's setting his lineup and he's making roster moves, I he's just not very good at fantasy baseball. It sounds like, and you know, take his money, take it, right? Like, he has money, you know, money, Tobaz problems. 
All right, that's fantasy regulators. Uh. That's fantasy baseball. Oh, God, it's gross when you do it. That's fantasy baseball today. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's will be a Chris and Heath tomorrow. Enjoy it, everybody. See you then.